Hey, what's up? This is What's Up for DJ Podcast. This is DJ. And I can't believe it's already November 24th when I'm recording this. It's like this year has passed by so freaking fast. I mean, I was looking at a YouTube video. It says March 2021. And I'm like... You know, this is just, I'm thinking, you know, March just yesterday. No, March was several months ago. It's November. So it's really, really crazy that uh, this time has just flown by. You know, we're coming to the end of the year. Christmas is just around the corner. Literally, it's like a month from now. So I can't say that, you know, this is season two of the podcast and... Season three is coming up in March. Yeah, March of next year. And so I'm getting my final interviews done, um, editing my, my final videos for for season two of this year. And I'm taking a little bit of a break in terms of interviews, but I'll still be posting new content um, throughout the month of December. I'll be posting new videos every single Monday, sometimes Wednesdays. So, but I'm just like blown away by just how fast this year has gone by. Uh, you know, and it's flown by so fast that I literally am like, what happened? What, <laughs> what has happened this year that's significant? And then everything's significant. Waking up in the morning is significant. Everything has its purpose. But it is just like, I'm like, you know, almost in the mindset of like, slow down so that I can actually look at some of the things that have occurred this year. So that, you know, some of the interviews that I've had and, and some of the amazing conversations that I've had and, and aha moments and like stopping trying to just remember those. And, and, um, and it's not easy because I'm like, I'm sure for you, you've noticed it as well that everything is sped up. And, and it's amazing that, you know, things are sped up in this COVID world that we live in. I wouldn't say post-COVID because we're not out of it yet. But, you know, you would think things have slowed down. But no, things have just sped up crazy. So, um, so yeah. So, let me know what your thoughts are. You can always email me, dj at djcareercoach.com. That's dj at djcareercoach.com. And let's talk about it. And I'm oh. like, no. I love not. those bags. I, 
I do them with both sides though, because I I will, I have told both sides. I said you got be. I said first of all, I don't participate in partisan politics. I don't agree with the whole you know anything like that partisan thing. I just don't do partisan politics. Mm-hmm. Um, particularly on the Republican side, and I was just saying, well, what makes you think I'm? What makes you think I'm a Democrat? I didn't. I don't have. No, you, could, you if you were to look at my Facebook profile, there's nothing that identifies me. Literally, even my in my politics section, nothing states that. Um, same thing with the Democrats. I'm like, please don't assume because I'm black, I'm going to rock with your candidate. Mm-hmm, I, I mm-hmm. have a lot. I have a lot of issues with things the Democratic Party has done over the years with the African American community, including taking that vote for granted, which is like. Until something's done with that, I'm like, sorry, I'm not even looking your way. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will, I do like to see what people from both sides are saying and mm-hmm. people are how they're engaged. I give credit to like those who are conservative and Republican in my debates with them. They are very passionate about what they believe. Some of it could be like scripts. So where, 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 like where, where, where do these debates occur? <laughs> because you know, you're not, you're not like, like sometimes it's on Facebook or in just okay. kind of cat other, you know, I have puppyology and those okay. things, but okay. thankfully in those, those settings, you know, we have everything set up. Well, at least with puppyology, we have a structure. Facebook if anything goes. Yeah. And the it's gloves, just really the gloves kind of, come off on Facebook. Gloves <laughs> come off on of Facebook, right? And I think even them like when they see somebody like me out there like, oh my God, who is this woman? But when I talk what I've learned with the conservatives, it's like I tell people it's like somebody it's like how they learn history. Like somebody gave them this puzzle and told them, here's the puzzle, you put it together. This is, you know, your puzzle. And then, you know, they put it together and they, but, you know, there's pieces mi- missing, but they said, mm-hmm. you hear all the pieces of this puzzle. So they Isn't present this puzzle. This is a hissing huh? noise. Oh, that might be my thing that my air just cut on. Did you hear it? Oh, okay. It went off now. I don't know okay. if you can edit that. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry about that. Okay. Um, But yeah, it's like, you know, like, that's how I felt like with conservatives present, like, their version of history to me. And it's like, you're, t- you're giving me dates and things, but because you don't know black, you haven't talked black history or any other kind of history outside your experience <laughs> being who you are, you have all these holes in this puzzle you're presenting to me as facts. I'm like, well, you're, what about this? Are you aware of this? Mm-hmm. And I just always know kind of come back because I'm like, I just, I'm just like into these things. I'm, I like to just learn about the history that we don't learn, right? So right, exactly. I'm just, like, I tell people, I'm like, I understand. So I understand your 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 beliefs, your perspectives. My only problem is 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 pieces. It's like you don't have the full story. So how can you right. sit here and explain things to me? And then you want to explain black issues in black history to me. And mm-hmm. I'm like, you probably don't even know who invented the traffic light. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know. No, like, uh, why and who are you? Or who created that peanut butter and jelly sandwich? Yeah, <laughs> like, you know, you know, in this country, we, we, we in, in addition to us building it, our ancestors building it free, we mm-hmm. invented a lot of stuff that you enjoy every day, and you would never say, "Oh, I, I'm not." I, I yeah, that, that I, that's one issue that I do have is that that we ha- as African Americans, we need to be invested in learning about the contributions that Caucasians and white, you know, white people have made to this country. But mm-hmm. there, but as a Caucasian individual, not saying all, because I have met um, white people who are very educated in African-American history. Mm-hmm. But, um, but a lot of the time, I remember once, I was at, once quick story, I was at work and um, a new coworker, had, an individual who was on a different team, joined our team. 
and you know he wanted to make connections and he wanted to you know, get to know a member of his team and he wanted to get to know me and he was like well you know dj what what um shows do you watch or oh, what's your favorite movie and I said, my favorite movie of all time is Michael Max. It's my all-time favorite movie. It's like perfectly executed, perfectly acted. Every scene is just amazing to me. And he said, oh, okay, well, my favorite TV show is The Office. Have you seen that? I said, yeah, I've seen different episodes of it. I've caught it on Netflix or whatever. Um, but, you know, I, I, not, I don't like tune in like that, right? And um, and so maybe a few days later, he said, have you watched any episodes of The Office? Because I figured he just wanted to sort of connect with me and sort of, you know, find out what our coming out, our coming, um, you know. Commonalities are. Com- exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I said, yeah, I went to Netflix and they had, you know, I think at the time they, they had, you know, they were showing the show Netflix or Hulu one. And I, I said, and I watched a few episodes of it or whatever. Yeah, not my taste, but, you know, it is some, it's, it has some <laughs> funny things about it, but just kind of drive to me. But I did watch a few episodes of it. And I said, well, did you catch Malcolm X? Uh, no, you know. <laughs> So, so, uh, and I don't know why they didn't, yeah. he, he had ideas about who he was or what he believed or whatever, but, but, you know, it's just that it was the, what was interesting to me was the expectation, the expectation was that I was going to go and look yeah. at the things he was interested in, uh-huh. but there was little to no expectation at all about going uh-huh. out to find out the things that I was interested in. Mm-hmm. So that was that's the, that's the thing that I, I have discovered many times, like, you know, you should watch these things because I really like them. Um, but if they are not pop culture or they are too African-American centric, then mm-hmm. that's not something that, you know, I should hold as important that I should go and find out more about. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And especially if they feel it's a, a threat or makes them look bad. Which I really wish at times was like, can you take your personal emotions out of it, particularly with a story like Malcolm X, because it's you know it's this, it's a certain historical time period. So. Yeah, and it's about growth. The, whole, the, the, the thing right? about Malcolm X, the story that people don't really understand. If you watch that story, it's about his spiritual journey. Yes, you know? I agree. I and agree. him growing 100%. to understand that maybe he yeah. thought one way at different parts of his life, but as he continued, I believe that as he, if he would have continued to live. He would have continued to change his beliefs because mm-hmm. he was he was one of those individuals who definitely believed in learning more and getting better in terms of, you know, what he where he came from. Right. And that's to me, it's a, his story to me is a spiritual journey to me oh, absolutely. above anything. And that's the thing that I was trying to convey. Well, yeah, I totally, that's one of the things I guess I, I call myself sometimes I'm in this Malcolm X season right now because I've been re- just because of stuff I had to deal with the dominant culture and some of the prejudices and discrimination I've come across in the mm-hmm. last few years where I reconnected with Malcolm's teachings. But that's the one thing I love the most about his story, the spiritual component of it. I'm like, he went to Mecca, he met people from different racial mm-hmm. backgrounds that treated him with respect. And that really transformed his mind. And, you know, right. it, in moving forward with his actions, focusing on human rights. And that's my thing. I look at things when, you know, like somebody like maybe the person you're with, it's like, 
oh, it, it would be really good to see like how this individual has transformed, you know, in their life and how they transform based on circumstances and the life lessons learned in that. And that's one of the things I really like when I think about um, with the situation with um, race relations in this country. It's like how many people, and I look at this particularly with white people, and I'm sure there's some that have, but I think that really needs, that really needs to be questioned. Are you willing to make those kind of coming out your comfort zone and doing that kind of travel, doing the work for you to transfer, for your personal growth and transformation about race race relations. Because it still seems like a lot of people are, some people are stuck, some people are afraid. They let that guilt get in the way. That guilt, feeling guilty is not going to help you progress. Um, But I even feel that some African-Americans are not even invested in, I mean, and I speak that as a a, a 360, you know, (laughs) in terms of, you know, even speaking to especially millennials or or speaking to especially millennials and saying they have a pop culture, um, African-American history uh, background, but not a real, it's not really grounded in true African-American history, you know, because I watched, the, I think for millennials, I watched that movie where, what's the girl who uh, played, um, who played the woman who freed the slaves? Okay, I, I Harriet? Harriet? Harriet movie? Yeah, the Harriet movie. Yeah, the Harriet Tubman movie. movie. And it's like, yes, that's great that movie came out, <laughs> but don't feel like watching that movie now i understand african-american history right right but that's just one of a story you know right exactly but yeah. i feel like some people they they watch these uh you know hollywood movies and come to the conclusion that now they have a african-american history I'm like <laughs> no you don't no yeah. yeah but most of that stuff is entertainment and it's really so much elements of fiction in these stories. It's like you're really not getting like, you know, the historical, you know, you know, energy of learning about this. I'm like, you're better off watching documentaries. Yeah. <laughs> if you want, want to watch, don't watch the entertainment stuff, watch the documentaries. Yeah, watch the documentaries. It. And there's so much good stuff on YouTube that I, I yeah. that I, I watch, and especially PBS is a great place to go and definitely get um some some valuable nuggets about African-American history on, on PBS and people like, Oh, that's not flashy enough. That's not cool. Here you are talking about PBS. I'm, I'm telling you, it's a great place to get up good information. If you're trying to get, and I don't care if you're African-American or white or whoever you, you know, your background, there is a lot of nuggets there in, in PBS to get African-American history awareness. Yeah. Yeah, I would say PBS is definitely one of those channels you um, can check out for that. They have some, they have some really interesting stuff. One of my um, recent favorites was when they did the um, documentary about Washington D.C. because I grew up in D.C. and particularly during the '80s, and it was just really f- fascinating learning about the other side, the, the stuff that you didn't really hear about on the news a lot. I mean, I was, I said, I after watching that that documentary, I said I can really understand now why Black people love Mary and Barry. Mm, I gotta okay. what which one is that? I gotta watch that one. It's um it's like I forgot the name of it, like Washington in the A's or something like that. Okay. And what he was doing, especially with um, here we go, economics. Mm-hmm. Economics. And I was also surprised um 
about like his connection with the LGBT community because I mean I've always heard the black side of things and I was like okay I can I can understand now why a lot of people um, were fond of him mm-hmm. but it, but that goes to another situation where it's like somebody can do ten great things and if you mess up once that one mm-hmm. thing. <laughs> But the reason why I think people have a big problem with him is that he was the mayor doing um, when D.C. was the murder capital of the, of the country. And also he was mayor doing the crack epidemic. And uh, so they hold him in, in a, you know, accountable for, for those. Mm-hmm. That it was a very tumultuous time for Washington, D.C. So how do you feel and then ultimately his downfall was being you know um arrested by doing crack in a hotel room with the with the old friend so i was i was a child of the 80s so pretty much my life was pretty much what was it school and work and home so i don't have mm-hmm. really you know i just knew her marine Barry all the time and then mm-hmm. um this was it was pretty much Heard about him all the time, and I knew by the time I would become a teenager, I would obviously apply for his summer job program because mm-hmm. everybody, you know, young people's like, yeah, I'm going to get a job. They want to make money, you know, and that mm-hmm. obviously is a positive way to make money being in that program um, he created. So that was pretty much my, um, you know, of, of you know, being a child and a teenager in, in mm-hmm. D.C., um, during that time period, now as I get older and have some better understanding of it, and now even in a spiritual sense, so like with his drug, his, the drug situation is, of course, being in unity, it was like what was going on with him internally, mm-hmm. you know, where there was that disconnect where he was doing this, you know, doing this. There was some, there had to be, be some mental or emotional disconnect, as you know, when people go and, and do these things. So what was right. going on with that? What was, you know, happening with him next? Call those situations mm-hmm. to, to be caught up in a situation where if like a, a old friend came to visit me and said let's do some crack like you know what <laughs> guess what <laughs> you gotta go yeah. you know it'd be my first inclination but, but you know for that but, not to be yeah but he might not have been in that headspace you know what i mean something you know could been going on with that i mean these folks are um, human at the end of the day and then it's sad also being an adult now learning about the crack epidemic in the um yeah. That was going mm. country, including DC. Um, what was the? Oh, you gotta watch one. There was another documentary that talked about how I'm, and I don't want. I'm not going to give it away, but they were saying how, you know, the rile up. You know, at one of our, you gotta watch. I gotta look up that. It's a documentary that talked about the crack epidemic because it talks about even how an elected official kind of like wanted to create a situation about the drugs being sold to the White House. Mm to use to tell the people, the American people, about how bad this epidemic is, was to the point where people are buying drugs at the White House, but at the same time, it was kind of like a sting for it to happen there so you can mm-hmm. make that claim to the mm-hmm. people. The white, so, that, that, that would be crazy, like, oh yeah, this is the, the White House drug dealer. <laughs> well, you I have to find that documentary. I think it was on yeah, next week. It's really interesting yeah. to find out, like, with the, you know, with the whole thing, that's why they had a whole Iran-Contra thing and how yeah. it was, yeah. the drugs were, your government, the, the unfortunately, the federal federal government was involved in a lot of these things happening. Mm-hmm. It, there's a, I mean, people, you could always look this up, but, um, mm-hmm. you know, these things are out there. It's like, unfortunately, this problem that was put upon the mayor at the time 
was bigger than him. You know what I mean? It's like yeah, I mean I get that. I mean you can't later you that explain. I mean, you know, the, the country's always going to have a place where there's a number one in murder. You know, Detroit has mm-hmm. been the place where that number has been very high. Chicago mm-hmm. has been a place where that number is always going to be a place where the crime is going to be the, the, at the highest. Yeah. But, you know, no one talks about who's the mayor at the time while Chicago is going through that turmoil or who's the mayor mm-hmm. at this time because Detroit is going through that uh turmoil but because marion barry was such a controversial figure and he was so beloved by the residents of washington dc it did make him you know a target yeah i mean so. i mean it's like one of those things it's just like you're there but it's like at the same time when i kind of think about it and look back i was like well what what could he what could he, that's kind of the downfall also i think about sometimes with dc not being a state it's like well what can you really do you you only can do so much and then you know you still gotta you know was like you know you have two members of i think it's two members of congress that can't even vote on things and represent themselves so it's like it's like we have a mayor. Y'all can do what you can, but I, what I, I learned being in Virginia versus being in DC, boy, you got a lot of power. Being you have a, a lot of power as a, as a person living in the state than you mm. probably do in DC. I mm. mean, you have the you know you have the you have the, the the city council and all that, but it's like yeah, but you're still not a state. You still can't really do certain things right. because you're the state. So right it's like there's a lot i guess my sense is that there's a lot of limitations what you can do and how things can be handled in process but i think i think it's one of those things where the problem like you had the problem was bigger than the resources to deal with the solution mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and when you're dealing with a lot of things with, with crime unfortunately crime tends to tie in with poverty so if oh, you're yeah. not do yeah. things like legally you know or not a job's not available or you don't have certain skill sets or you can't you know be able to do certain things professionally i mean unfortunately that's what people turn to so it's mm-hmm. one of those things i feel also is really about creating a, a culture of economic prosperity in this country how do you do that and make sure mm-hmm. that more people have access to things where do you think that's a realistic goal? I mean, being that we are unity students and we understand that, you know, how we're taught prosperity according to unity principles. Do you think that it's a realistic goal or, you know, sometimes I, I you know, we do all the fluff and puff in terms of, you know, <laughs> we would love world peace and we want, you know, blah, blah, blah. And we know that that's a that's a that's a conscious that's a conscious awareness thing that each individual has to process they have to go through on right. their own, yeah. you know, and just wanting, praying for world peace, world peace, world peace doesn't get you world peace, you know, because right. you also it's- take people out of their experiences. Like, you know, right. you get to experience um, uh, chaos for a reason, right? But, it, well, that's, that's where the education piece is so important because obviously everybody has their own definition of what economic prosperity is. Well, how can mm-hmm. you do that for everyone? Well, we know for sure um, financial literacy is a big issue in this country. And it's surprising when I even when I think back that we're not learning about financial process, I mean financial literacy in schools. I'm like you would think, like my opinion is like young people. Why do you people- think that is? Why do you think that why financial literacy is not taught in schools? Why do I you think, think that is? I think it's um 
it's a, it's a, um, I think it's a, I want to say one of it could be a social or a class. Cause there's of course a class of people that are very knowledgeable about, you know, money and economics. And then there's another group that isn't. In most cases, people, if you're lucky, you know, basics, but you're not taught about investing in the stock market. <laughs> you're not no, taught, you're not. You know, you're not taught. You're not taught about. You're, lucky you're not even, you're not even taught how to fill out a check in school. You're not even right. taught how to fill out a a, a check. You know, yeah, you're no not one taught like that. Yeah. So it, it, it's, it is interesting to me, though. I mean, that it, is it crazy. Is I know Yonla Van Zant told her, her that you know when she was on Oprah and she was going through the whole thing about you know trying to come back from the bridge of all this stuff that she was going through. And she said that uh, that when she was given her, you know, she said that her education was, ba- you know, financial education was basically when she went to the bank to open up a chicken account, the mm-hmm. the cashier there, you know, taught her how to write out a check. Mm-hmm. And that's the that was the, the, the most that she learned. I said, well, you, you actually got a better education than most people in terms right. of financial education. Right. They don't even, we don't you know most people don't even get that, you know, in terms that. of. And that was something I thought about. I said, as much as I love to read books when I was growing up, I said it was never, well, in addition to the fact that no one on my mother's side of family really ever spoke of, like, pros- the word prosperity, better yet, like, finances and things like that. But I was like, man, I didn't even, I never thought growing up to, like, get a financial, a personal finance book out of the library. Mm-hmm. None of that. I did the basic budgeting and um, I had a checking account, but nothing beyond a savings account. Like this, like by the time I got to college, because I was working part time, any because overall I had part time jobs. But I was just like, yeah, I'm like, I, it was really never like really been a focus until like honestly, by the time I got into my mid to late twenties, because mm-hmm. I was just struggling financially, and somebody told me about you know financial peace university program it was that one of my best friends at her church they had that and that's mm. and i went there with my dad you know my um my dad was visiting and i was like yeah let's check this out and i you know i was just in awe i was like oh my god my life could have been so much <laughs> so yeah. much in a different place if i know if i would have known these things and then mm. again nowadays with um we have the internet and people can watch videos and download yeah. and yeah, the problem now is you get so much information that it's hard, yeah. it's kind of hard to sift through what's what should I listen to? What should you listen to? You know, mm-hmm. but I say yeah. find something. something. Okay, pick one yeah. and do it. But there are there's there's been um, initiatives or or and maybe even legislation in certain in certain parts of the country about, and I'm I'm thinking some of it has passed that. That's a requirement. You can't graduate until you take those kind of like classes. Um, mm-hmm. High school students, you need to be able to be well, financially that's, that's literate. Awesome. Well, that's an awesome class so. because. You know, the only thing that we were taught, we were taught, you know, it was like you have to learn algebra, you have to learn calculus, yeah. you know, and those things. Mm-hmm. And that's great to, to have that information, but it's not going to teach you how to really balance a checkbook. You know? Right. And yeah. I wondered about like certain with not being, being older. It's like when I look back at certain subjects, it's like, why? With, why? You know, 
I think it should do like what they do in, with adults. They need to do assessments with um, young people and find out what their interests are and where they could possibly be good in their, in, in, you know, professionally. Mm-hmm. And it would make sense if somebody's in your, um, if this kid does well, like, and tests well to do things like um, science or technology or engineering. It's like, yeah. yeah, that person may need the engineering. Yeah, I, I took mean, that with a kid. Actually, I got a class, class like that. We they, they put us in the computer room and they, we, they, mm-hmm. they, they we, and they said that I, I'm really good at um, fixing uh, technology. I'm like, I'm not doing that. <laughs> I'm not doing that, you know? Like a top, like some places they'll give me your top three. My, every yeah, time that, I was, that was top three. It was like, you'd be good at um, fixing technology, like fixing computers, fixing BCRs. At the time, it was, you know, BCRs <laughs> at the time, right? So, you know, and I, and I did enjoy that. I mean, I would, my parents would come home from work and I would have the VCR open up, you know, all the components <laughs> laid out on the uh-huh. floor. And I'm like, why did you take the BCR apart? <laughs> I just wanted to see what was inside. So uh, <laughs> then I would put it back together again. It would work. But it was like, why are you always taking our stuff apart? You know, I'm like, well, that, is, is yeah, good. Yeah. Yeah. That explains, yeah. yeah. It's just, you know, but it's, it's funny because I didn't do those kind of, like I didn't do those kind of assess, assessments like, on that level again till I was older. When I was in um, high school, yeah, I was taking an electronics class. And when I took the ASVAB um, for the military, mm-hmm. I scored I high on electronics. So they thought, you know, I guess people were surprised, you know, why did this, this young woman score so well? I'm like, well, I was taking an electronics class at the time. That's why I did, did so well, probably mm-hmm. going on those, you know, those technical parts of the test, what have you. Um, but yeah, it's like, Really, a lot of things should be, and I see that. I think that's been going on also now for probably maybe the last twenty-five. Well, I was at Dunbar, yeah, probably at least like maybe 30, 35 years where mm-hmm. more of the schools they have specialized high schools and so forth to make sure like mm-hmm. students who are particularly good in certain areas, you probably should be going to those um, schools. What are those called? They called um called a trade school or something like that. Well, it's like some of them are called charter schools. Oh, charter schools, okay, oh, yeah. I, yeah, I remember. Yeah. Okay. okay. So, well, and then that's, I, that ties into, again, you know, making sure, I guess, from the beginning, going back to the economic prosperity, making sure students are aligned with things that can make them money. Now, there's granted, some people are just not going to know. And it's really, I, I think, really for people, I'm like, you really need to at least have some form of like business or entrepreneurial skill before you leave high school. That's my other yeah. thing. I got introduced yeah. into entrepreneurship, like that's good. high school. Because you need that plan B just in case. Um, I'm really mm-hmm. big on that. I would like, to, and I would like to see more people, particularly um, African American people, get and in, in, get into doing that. Um, yeah. Because it's impressive when I meet people from other cultures. It's like, yeah, my um, oh, they're like, on it. Yeah. Like my Asian friends, like I used to hear, like how they were already big on like. But they have they, they come here in family. I mean, it's like it, it, the, well, it's the, the, way- the culture. Like culture, yeah, because it's like mm-hmm. you, you know, I, I have neighbors, and you know, it's like they, you know, come over, they build their business, and then they invite more family members over, and then they continue building that business bigger, and then you know, they're all in the same house for a, a certain amount of time, and mm-hmm. then, um, and then once the the business can, they can have two or three, it will start growing, get two or three different stores. 
now, you know, you say, okay, well, you can retire and you can you, you now manage the store. So there's this process involved in building wealth and independency um, that Americans don't have. Like when I was 19, I will even before I was 19, I left home at 19. But before 1960, I'm like, I'm counting the days like I'm, I'm telling my parents, I'm as soon as I get enough money, I'm out of here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I'm like, well, goodbye. I'm like, well, don't worry, because so this the first thing smoking I'm taking. Uh-huh. And that was the Marine Corps. So it's like you don't need it's like for African-Americans, like we're counting down the days to get out of this situation or, you know, some some people, you know, they're they're trying to figure out how can they, you know, move into the basement. I don't know. You know, even if you are, you know, living with your parents still, you're not living with them in terms of like a child, you're still living you're living with them, but in terms of, you know, they are over there and I'm down here. So um still it's not that family structure, that family unit that right. we're working together to build wealth and to become right. independent. Yeah, because there's only like a handful of us that actually did that ourselves as a um, collective. But I think it just a lot of it for us. We've been very conditioned to be a labor class. Um, That's how I describe it. It's like instead Mm -hmm. of being more producers, um, you know, entrepreneurs, we've been, you know, in in this state of just being this labor class. I mean, it's not I mean, if you want to work for someone else, that's fine. I really do believe you got to have like. That generational that's where the generational wealth situation really comes into play and like you can't pass on the job you know <laughs> yeah you can't pass <laughs> on the job, a job right. you're going to be your salary and things are already structured so if you want to be a wealthy millionaire or billionaire it's not going to happen at your nine to five it's no. not going to happen mm-hmm. you know when you have uh, that's going to promote you to billionaire, like you know, no, you know, Jackie, we're going to promote you to billionaire. Just you know, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, it's there's a cap, you know, there's a cap. There's a cap. On, on. Yeah, that's. But I think that's the thing. I, like I was talking to my father this morning. I said, Dad, I don't want to work. I said, I'm, I'm fortunate. I'm fortunate. If the next position I get, um, it'll be aligned with everything I'm doing now. Because I'm totally convinced that you know this is um, part moving forward. Yeah. But I'm going to still be focusing on building my businesses on the side and um, eventually achieving the true career goal is um, entrepreneurship. You know, that's yeah. the goal. Yeah. Exactly. I said, whether I'm a meteorologist or the best. But how can a meteorologist be a, be a, because we talked through this before, mm-hmm. uh, but how can a meteor, meteorologist be an entrepreneur? Well, I'm curious. Something I came across recently is um, was it forensic meteorology? <laughs> okay, maybe it's the consultant. Yeah. So okay. apparently, like, these type, if you have that background, you can work probably like with insurance agencies and testify in court about literally like the weather conditions that may have caused like that happened during maybe a crime that may have taken place. Like somebody said, well, you know, I got stuck. It was icy and. I, you know, this happened and I couldn't have been there to commit this murder. And they were like, well, actually, no. Okay. For and, this not like that today. and that, in that, in that area only got one, you know, half an inch of rain. <laughs> it was like, mm. no, this was you, you know? And then of course the insurance agencies would love people probably like us. Cause we can determine, you know, we have like, a, you know, tree, you know, like the trees that fall in mm-hmm. your, your car and things like that. Then you have to determine, like, was it an act of God kind of thing? Mm-hmm. So I was just reading about it one day. I was like, oh, this is really interesting. 
Yeah. Yeah, people, I, I, I've worked in budget for years and finance for years, and, and people kept saying, you would be really great as a forensic um, financial manager or forensic analyst, you know, mm -hmm. in terms of budget. And, you know, and I said, it, it, it is a piece, I mean, going through, you know, say someone was murdered and, and I'm now going through their bank accounts and looking at their last transactions and, and things like that are, you know, going to see if, you know, there's one thing that happened some years ago where a guy won, won the lottery and, you know, wow. you know, you know, being, you know, dead, couldn't find him, you know, and um, they went in to look for him and his mother was looking for him and um, they finally found some old um, girlfriend who was living in his house at the time with her boyfriend. And they were like, well, where is he? And they were like, well, he said he was going to a trip to Jamaica and he, you know, he, he, he left, you know, he moved. And like he gave you his house, <laughs> you know, <laughs> right, and uh, yeah, and so um, ultimately they he, they they killed him and buried him in the backyard. Yeah, and, I, remember, oh, I remember that story. That's crazy. Yes, and you know they began looking, going through the the forensic analysis of the transactions that were being made, and you know they were spending his money. So um, you know, so to me that did appeal to me. But, you know, I, I like I have done, you know, I yeah, I, that did appeal to me to do something like that. But I never pursued a forensic mm -hmm. uh, financial analysis. Mm -hmm. But, yeah. you know, keep it there. <laughs> yeah, keep it there. Keep it in the back of my head. Like you know, maybe you. I'll. Yeah. Yeah. So um, are there any <laughs> other things that you wanted to talk about before we, before we end our discussion? Sure. Um, yeah, just kind of, um, I guess, reiterating the whole thing about people really need to be, you know, if you really believe in like social change or holding your elected officials accountable, um, definitely make sure that you're really monitoring and following what is happening, um, you know, in, in the political arena. It's not, I know it's not exciting and fun and could be very, um, you know, it's conflicting with people going back and forth arguing, but you really need to pay attention to what's happening around you. And one of the things of doing that is getting out of those bubbles mm -hmm. and engaging and finding out what's going on. And of course, just set what your rule of engagements are. You're not going to be disrespected in these kind of conversations, but this really gives you an understanding of how people are processing what's happening in this country that's going on at the political level and how your vote matters is only one component. You just don't, you don't vote and just wait two, four years. You really should be constantly just noticing and monitoring things that are happening because mm -hmm. then things might, you may wake up to things that you didn't realize um, has been going on. <laughs> mm -hmm. You really may need to take some action with that. And yeah, I'm just big on holding your um, elected officials accountable, not just only when, you cast a vote for them, but you should be following, you know, the stuff like wherever you whoever you voted for or whoever um, that elected official is once they get in, you should be following them on Twitter mm -hmm. or being yeah. on their email list. And you know what that, um, you know, elected official is doing because you're on the mailing list. That's how you keep in touch and stay engaged. So, so tell about pub theology. Uh, how can we um, uh, attend one of your pub theology uh sure activities or sessions what, what would you call yeah. it like a, 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 a <laughs> gathering or um, theology gatherings okay. yeah right now we have them virtual and um the best way to do that is to go to the meetup 
um, the meetup webpage for um, our, uh, our meetups to do that. And that is meetup.com forward slash interfaith connections. And then you join the group and meetup will like give you a notification or an email announcement letting you know like the event has been scheduled and when it will take place. Typically, um, the new schedule has been to do it every fourth um, Tuesday in the month. So um, definitely one will be coming up. If it's usually around the holiday season, like a Christmas kind of thing, um, I may do it earlier or later. It just depends on when the holiday, like that particular holiday falls during the month. Sometimes I'll do them on Mondays um, if it's a holiday, because I figure sometimes people may, who don't normally get to attend because they may be working, typically will not be working on those holidays. So it just all depends. And then, um, you know, just... And then I also post other events that goes on from a, like a multi-faith perspective that people can check out. But definitely for Puppyology, we usually meet on the fourth Tuesdays in the month. And you can just go to meetup.com forward slash interfaith connections and sign up for the um, next one to attend. Okay, great, great. And are there any other ways that we can reach out to you? Um, I know I think some of your followers and fans have already reached out to me on LinkedIn. You can just do a search for Jacqueline F. Fuller and you can just find me on LinkedIn. Then there's also um, my website, interfaithconnections.com. And then all the other projects I'm working on now, I'm working in the process of building websites for those. So once those are done, you can definitely check me out on those platforms as well. But um, interfaithconnections.com is the main one to get to me. Or okay. On and I'll have those links in the show description so you can reach out to, to Jackie and definitely oh, participate in pub, pub theology. Any questions for me before we oh, let the pub no, you no, go? Thank you. Thank you. Everything went fine. Thank you for having me. That was a good conversation to have. I think these kind of conversations are good. I'm fine just to get close to you. Can we burn something? I'll run for miles. Just to get a taste, must be love on the brain. That's got me feeling this way. It beats me black and blue, but it loves me so good, and I can't get enough. Must be love on the brain, and it's still cursing my name. No matter what I do, I'm no good without you, and I can't get enough. Must be love on the brain. And you keep loving me. Just keep loving me. Don't you, don't you, don't you stop.